Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we've been in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Natalie Thompson shares a bit about her running. I mean, literally, just a bit. Basically, she went from chasing her little sister to being the one chased by everybody else in races. But if you want to know anything about those races, you'll have to ask her directly. Once we finish off with the running topic, we talk about Natalie's other passion, food. You see, besides being a mountain runner extraordinaire, read 2015, she was first at Cat's Tail Marathon, second at Virgil Crest 50, second at Escarpment, third at North Face Bear Mountain 50K, first at Breakneck Point Marathon. I mean, if she's not going to talk about her racing or her running, then, then I have to at least a little bit, right? Anyways, Natalie, besides her mountain running, Natalie is also a nutritionist who recently started her own business, Happy Belly Life. So, we spend some time critiquing my smoothies, then we move on to analyzing some prepackaged delicacies, and we also learn about the wonders of sauerkraut. Some of the cool things that Natalie discusses, like the microbiome, will be in the show notes, which are at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash podcast slash zero two seven. And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. So um, what the hell you want to talk about, Natalie Thompson? I don't know, actually. You don't know? <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be like a, an interview. I thought this was all on you, this one. Um, well, you know, I usually like ask one question and then, um. you know, people, people have stuff to say. <laughs> so, so what you're saying That's is I got. All I have to say. What you're saying is I got some work to do here, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only gonna talk to you through emoticons. Oh, that's 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 not very good for audio. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It probably does. Probably bodes well for my podcast series. Um. So, okay, so a lot of times, a lot of times when we do these things, people want to know your life story. They mm. want to know what you're all about. They want to know what uh what gets you going. Oh my god. Really? Does anyone really want to know my life story? I mean, you um, know, re- regarding running or Yeah, I mean, you know, unless there's I mean, some you know. unless there's something else that got you uh got you running. Well, I'll tell you what got me running was when I was a little girl. I have a big sister. She's two years older. And she had all these friends on the block growing up, and I didn't have any. For some reason, they weren't my age. And they used to come over and play tag. And I was too, you know, I was the little sister. But I could usually, like, catch her friends playing tag. And that's what started my interest in running, actually, was just being able to chase down the older girls. So that's how it started. Wow. A kiddo. So you just, and so like how was that like you were like a six-year-old chasing down the eight-year-olds or were you like yeah. a 10-year-old chasing down the 12-year-olds? Hmm. Uh, probably six and eight. Wow. Huh. Yeah, it was, it was little, but I didn't really start running, I guess, till middle school and then 
I mean, really, till after high school, till college, with any so sort that, of regularity. So that was it. You just kind of ran around fun and and laughing and giggling and chasing your sister, and then at some point you found out like you kept catching them and you were like fast. Yeah, that's my memory. Anyways, it may not have gone down that way in real life, but that's how I remember it. So, so. one of the one of the um, interesting things is that uh, you just said like, oh, I didn't run in high school, I didn't run in college, but in college, like uh, at least for master's degree, you went to like Cornell, and that's a that's a school steeped in running tradition, right? So. Did you go there kind of serious about running? Uh, well, I have to correct you. I did my undergrad at Cornell, and I... Don't, you don't have to correct me. I'm making this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I also did my master's there. But I... No, I went there hoping to play soccer, actually. I was planning to try out for the team. And then uh, I didn't. And I'll leave that reason off the air <laughs> only in case a certain someone hears this but um the yeah but it was at cornell yeah that i really got into running because it's um the team there the running teams at cornell are really really good you might be familiar with sage kennedy especially if you're mike weldon uh he's a cornell grad cornell alum and uh anyhow Ithaca is just such a gorgeous place too, literally. So I got into running just kind of out of habit, but I didn't run for the team at Cornell. Just ran because it was a really nice place to run and because I had some pals who were training for marathons and I figured it'd be a fun way to stay in shape and, well, and I like running. So that's kind of how it got started there. And so the the running in Ithaca, I mean, there's there it's all it's all beautiful and um, gorgeous, <laughs> uh, but there's no easy running in Ithaca, is there? Hmm. Um. I guess you could. Well, I guess it depends on how you define easy, but yeah, it's really hilly there. What? Michael's laughing. <laughs> I'm not sure why. <laughs> He's doing the desk fiddling, by the way. It's not me. <laughs> I have nothing to do with the desk <clears throat> fiddling. Anyway, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> I don't think I'd call it hard, but I guess it's really hilly. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, I... I'm fine with it. I'm just I'm just here asking questions. You know, I mean, yeah. it, the le, the less du, the less <laughs> dumb. So hard. I don't think you're gonna be able to publish this one. The less dumb questions you want me to ask, the more you should just talk. That's all. No, I know. I I, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, running. <laughs> that's a that's a thing. It's cool. I hear that's what people do sometimes. <laughs> Chris, how did you get into running? Oh, Natalie, you don't even listen to this podcast. Every I wish you could put the video on. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
are you picking up his laughing? Yeah, yeah. He's I'm, like I'm, wheezing. He's wheezing. I'm, I'm picking up what he's putting down. He's trying to be professional here. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, funny. so maybe not running. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, okay. So you're running around Ithaca and you're like eating twigs and berries out of the forest. Like how did, how did the nutrition thing become a running and a running and a nutrition thing? How did those two things kind of get together? Um, it became a thing because I don't know. My, I guess my intro into nutrition is kind of long winded, but, uh, and that's what we're here for. Oh yeah. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, well, actually, I, so I started college wanting to go to medical school. I was pre-med and studying biology, and it happens that both my parents are doctors, so it just sort of seemed like, well, that's what you're going to do with yourself. And when I got to Cornell, I realized that it was going to be a pretty long, hard road into medicine, and... Part of me, honestly, just didn't want to have to deal with the academic rigor of medical school. But a really big part of me, too, started to realize how, mostly, I guess, because of my mom's influence and my mom's experience as a primary care doctor, um, I started, under, I guess, opening up my mind to the fact that maybe conventional Western medicine was not the end-all, be-all to human health. And so what happened was I eventually, I guess, started understanding and started hearing about how, what an important role diet and nutrition has in terms of a person's health. And that most of the diseases that were plaguing, that continue to plague Americans these days are diseases of diet and lifestyle. And so I started to become a lot more interested in that because I was like, well, if I'm actually going to help people or if I'm actually going to understand um, disease, common diseases, so as to be able to help people, then maybe I should take more of a look at nutrition and, and become a little more interested in nutrition. And so I did. Um, I guess quite literally and honestly, I was, had <laughs> uh, I decided to take a, like the intro nutrition class at Cornell, which is a really popular class. A lot of people take it just to like get the credit for it and um, to kind of experience it. So I took the class and it turns out, you know, I started dating my TA and he was a nutrition major and I was changing from my pre-med major and so I decided, well, what the heck, I'll just change my whole major. So instead of doing biology at Cornell, I wound up majoring in nutrition and um, so it just kind of grew from there. I never necessarily... Um, planned to study nutrition. It just kind of happened as a, like, as a result of trying to learn more about human health, I guess. And it was also, was that also um, generally like part of your lifestyle as it, as it were, were the, like, oh. was the coursework and the teaching sort of fitting in or were you like pounding cheeseburgers sitting there going, <laughs> I can't believe this homework. <laughs> So actually, that, that's a really good question. Um, you know, my mom, both my parents worked full time while I was growing up and in high school. So we had 
um, you know, not too far off, like classic American food, like boxed spaghetti and jarred tomato sauce and macaroni, craft macaroni and cheese and, um, you know, chicken from the store, beef from the store, whatever, whatever, cereal, skim milk. Um, we always ate vegetables. A lot, a lot of times it was just frozen, you know, bird's eye vegetables. And a lot of that was just because it was really fast, right? I mean, you can boil spaghetti. You can cook spaghetti in five minutes. You can heat up tomato sauce in one minute. Um, so meals were really fast and easy. And when I got to Cornell, um, yeah, for some reason, I guess I started cooking a lot more, especially I lived off campus as early as my sophomore year. And with my roommates, we had a house, and we just would cook a lot more regularly. And so my diet, my personal diet, yes, changed a lot when I got to college. And I remember those early years of college, I'd come home, and I would, like, berate my poor mother for the food she would serve us. You know, prego spaghetti sauce and, and white, white on white pasta. And um, there was a lot of pushback, and we would argue each other a lot. Um, and I, I started to learn more about the... You know how animals, how animal meat is produced in our country by and large, factory farming, and um, like how unsustainable that is for the environment, how unhealthy a lot of that animal meat actually is for those of us eating it. Um, and so, no, I didn't necessarily start that program with the same diet that I have now or with the same dietary principles that I kind of uphold now. So it was definitely a um, a little bit of a journey for me, I guess. But um, I also had a really brief incident with a dietitian on campus because I trained for my very f- my first marathon while I was a sophomore um, at Cornell. And so I had h- heard from a friend that she'd seen a dietitian to make sure she was getting the right nutrienture and the right calories to train for marathon. And um, I figured, well, that makes sense. I should do the same thing. And so I went to see this dietitian. And, uh, you know, in marathon training, right, you need to eat enough food. You need to eat enough calories. But you're not, it's not necessarily a sport where you would put weight on. And with this dietitian, I wound up gaining like 10 or 15 pounds while marathon training because she gave me like a very, you know, pretty specific diet plan. And I followed it to a T because she was kind of the expert. And so that was also a really eye-opening experience for me because I hadn't known what dietetics was at the time. Dietetics is a kind of a specific, I will call it, someone else might define it differently, but I would call it a specific subset within nutrition um, that's a lot more focused on um, like specific nutrient values. So looking at the specific grams of nutrients that you're getting in your food and um, in a way, it almost ex- ignores the complete science of nutrition and kind of ignores the fact that nutrition is a science and it's not, there's no end to it. There's no finality in nutrition. We're constantly learning new things. So, anyway, that kind of set me on the path towards my master's in nutrition ultimately because, um, in terms of licensing, sorry, I'm totally rambling, but in terms of licensing for nutrition, like if you're going to go see a licensed nutritionist, either the person has to have a master's degree in nutrition and um, a further certification as a nutrition specialist, which you know you have to do a thousand-hour internship and 
pass an exam, then you can get licensed, at least in New York State. Alternatively, you can do a bachelor's degree with um, a dietetics degree and become a dietitian and get certified in New York State. And so I just thought that, that doing the master's was a, little, was a little more sound and complete. And anyway, yeah, sorry, this is a complete ramble. <laughs> well, um, but, you, but you asked. All I could think about this whole time was, boy, that that, <laughs> that all sounds that all sounds um, interesting. But dang, that's that's why I go for a run because like my brain hurts when I think about all that stuff. <laughs> like I yeah, mean, I a, a dietitian, a nutritionist, a new a, a licensed dietitian, a doctor, a pediatrician, mm. and I'm just like, you know what, like. That's why people just want to eat something, right? They're just like, <laughs> they're just yeah. like, this is hard. I'm gonna go eat, and um, mm. you know, especially for running, like that's that's why the nutrition market is is huge, right? That's why there's 70 different kind of bars when you go into a store, right? Because like, I just need 20 grams of protein for when I'm done running. Like that's what I need. <laughs> right. Right, she says. Uh, um, yeah, um, <laughs> bars. I feel like it's really just starting. I mean, I have never really, last year was maybe the first year I was very competitive with my running. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you don't talk about like, you don't talk about races a lot, really. You just sort of like really? run. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard you talk about one race. Oh, well, uh -huh. <laughs> You've never asked. <laughs> <laughs> most most people you don't have to ask. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I'm, go ahead. I just I feel like everybody loves talking about their race, and I I don't necessarily want to just gloat about a race unsolicited. You know. Okay. I don't want it to sound like gloating. I guess. But um, fair enough. But last year was the first year you were serious about it. And it turns out you're pretty good at racing. Maybe I just choose good races. <laughs> 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 I say, who's not going to be at this one? Yeah, I had my um, best. I had my best run at the children's 5K YMCA <laughs> race, too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I did the the one mile fun dash. That was yeah. great. Yeah, the the that that uh, children's breakneck. That was pretty good. <laughs> I heard. Oh, it's awesome. Yep. <laughs> okay, so I mean, in general, if you were to like, if you were to sort of summarize, I mean, what what is it that gets you running? What do you like about it? Um. Well. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> These emoticons are incredible. Um, I don't think I could ever maybe say it as eloquently as like Kendra Chamberlain said at our recent panel. But um, the reason I run is to be outside and to be in the woods and to be in the mountains and to be in nature, basically to be by water, to be under the sun, to be under the blue sky. Um, to be with all the critters of the forest and 
Yeah, I mean, I that's why I run. I guess it also feels really good in my body, right? Like it mm-hmm. feels good in my head. I, I guess I've always run to clear my head. That's always been. I think that's what keeps me coming back to running time and time again. Is it's just at this point, running is so physically familiar to my body that I can go out for a run and pay no mind to my body, and then my brain can just kind of do this like sorting out of things, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that's really why I run, I guess. And then racing is kind of a a very recent um, like byproduct that I'm still trying to maybe navigate or figure out exactly what I want that to be. Yeah, and and ripping <laughs> ripping a uh, a yellow pepper in half and eating it in three bites. That's a uh, that's sort of the side effect of of. <laughs> running right yeah (laughs) you don't ever do that that's never happened to you oh it not quite like the way that uh, the way that i saw you twist the neck off of that i didn't even know peppers had a neck to twist off when i saw you twist that one at dc you grabbed that pepper and you were like crunch and then it was (laughs) it didn't even know what happened but that that idea I, i mean that sounds to me like that Eating that kind of eating whole foods or that those kind of foods after a run feels more natural mm-hmm. to you, would you say, or is it is it something you do because you know you should, or is it something you do because you've always done it? No, it's something I do because I've done it differently many times before, and I know that it that's how my body feels the best. So, like. Like I said, when I saw this dietitian in college, I was supposed to eat these like soy chips. I don't even know what they were. It was like puffed soy chips. Like she told me the specific brand. I should look it up and get back to you. But I'm supposed to eat these soy crisps for protein. And and um, I don't know. I used to do the whole bagel thing and uh, cereal. And it's just you know that's some that's some calories in but my i never necessarily felt good eating those things after a run or before a run skipping and so it once i started i mean it's been i guess in the past few years i've come to more of a whole foods diet and primarily plant based i guess but in it's once I've eaten that way enough times, I start to realize that wow, I feel really good. I feel really my body feels really clean. Like I don't know, there's always that car analogy for those of you who haven't heard it. It's like if you buy you know a BMW or a Mercedes, you're gonna put the best kind of gas in it so that it can run as best it can. So what if your body is that BMW or that Mercedes? Your body is this really important vehicle. And so why, why on earth would you fill it with the lowest quality fuel when you have, if and when, you have access to the t- top-notch fuel? So if you've never heard that analogy before, I think it is actually a really good one. Um, and with, like, with whole clean foods, like there's, no, there's really no comparison. I, I mean, I, I won't let down that argument. There's no comparison for what can nourish a body and fuel a body better than whole foods, I guess. 
So no, I didn't always eat that way, but once I figured it out, yeah, I mean, I, I can't go back. Right. And, and I think that's kind of a, a big deal because like, um, a lot of people have a hard time with habit. Right. And so, you know, you got to get in the habit of, uh, I was talking on the radio show recently with Laura about, you know, three things that I'm in the habit of doing after a run instantly Mm -hmm. there's three things. And I don't think they're at the level where, where you're at with your, you know, post running nutrition habits. But I always make sure that I have, um, I have a, a plant-based energy drink afterwards, you know, a plant-based protein drink. Um, and I, I make sure I always have it. I just bring it. I keep actually a jar of it in the car so that I have it every time because without it, I don't have that habit. It's easy to just completely fall right out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that way, like a habit of a healthy breakfast, you know, so here's my deal with breakfast. I got, I'll, I'll ask you this question because I'm starting to think that my smoothies may be unhealthy mm-hmm. and not unhealthy, but, um, cause I don't like put sugar in them or anything, but they might be, I don't know. So here's what was in my smoothie today. Mm-hmm. It was four ounces of plain Greek yogurt, you know, mm-hmm. unflavored, just run of the mill plain. It was, uh, are you taking notes here? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'll forget. I have such a short-term memory. It was um, six ounces of almond milk. And, uh, yep, an apple. Okay. uh, (laughs) Half half of an orange. Mm -hmm. A sweet potato. And a half cup of a um, Wegmans frozen berry mix, you know, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not bad. Oh, really... and, uh, and a half oh. cup of carrots. Oh. So that's your breakfast. That, that's what I had for breakfast this morning. Yep. Now, occasionally they're different. But to me, I was thinking like a a lot of times I like to throw like a cup of spinach in there or something like that. But I'm thinking when I when I look back at that, I'm like an apple and a sweet potato and a half cup of carrots. Mm -hmm. Like, would I have that all for breakfast normally? Is that too many calories for breakfast? It doesn't feel like it. It all feels like good stuff. But when you jam it all into like two juice drinks and you feel like, hmm, is this terrible? It's not terrible. I think as far as the spectrum goes, that's not a sausage, egg, and cheese. But <laughs> Very right. true. Very true. Um, so you're right. That's not a sausage, egg, and cheese from McDonald's. That's definitely worlds above. Um, I'll tell you my opinion on juicing. So this is a smoothie, though. You're blending all this together. Oh, yeah. This is full-on Vitamix, like apple core everything. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I mean, I'll tell you, it's certainly not the worst breakfast smoothie combination I've ever seen. Um, You're getting, you know, you're getting some protein, right, from your yogurt, from your almond milk. So that's good. You're probably getting a little bit of fat from the yogurt and maybe the almonds. You are getting a bit of sweetness, but what? You're you're hiding behind the mic. Oh, so, sorry. I'm not. High. I was. Um, I was gonna say like it's also the uh, it's the plus five grams of protein almond milk version. Oh, okay. So it's got a little extra little extra protein in it. 
But um, yeah, this one I would not say is one of my more protein laden ones. But it's, well, no, it's not. But what I and I'll say as a real quick tangent, we tend to eat plenty of and usually overeat protein in this in our culture, anyways. Um, so I only make note of the protein because um, a real simple rule of thumb, I guess, with nutrition is balancing your macronutrient intake, so your fats to your proteins to your carbohydrates. So when we look further down your list, apple, orange, sweet potato, berries, and carrots, those are all things that are going to, that are basically starches, if you will, starch being the plant storage form of glucose, glucose being your basic sugar molecule. So aside from the Greek yogurt and the almond milk, you're basically taking in sugars and it's not that simple, but it actually is because you've blended them in a smoothie, so you've already pre-digested them. So you put that in your belly, you basically just put, you know, ladle spoonfuls of sugar. But then you also have the protein and you probably have a little bit of fat coming from the milk, from the milk and the, in the yogurt and the almonds. So what that does is in your belly then you have three different macronutrients to digest your belly being your stomach, and then your small intestine. So you slow down the digestion of the sugars. You slow down the rate of absorption of those sugars into your bloodstream. So that's good. It's good that you've balanced the sugars with the protein and the fat um, because you don't want to have a huge rate of absorption of glucose. But you think this is a pretty, pretty sugar-heavy smoothie. Yeah, I do. Because you're right, you're spot on to say, Chris, that <laughs> would you ever, like if you were eating these foods rather than drinking them, would you ever sit down to a plate full of uh, one whole apple, one half of an orange, one entire sweet potato, a half cup of berries, and you know a couple carrots? You might not. Or would you? You might not. And so that's, that's the one little caveat I see with smoothies is that, um, gosh, I guess if you really balance it out well. So what would you do differently to balance it? I guess I would probably choose two of those thing of the rest of these of your sugar-based foods. I would yeah. choose two of the apple, orange, sweet potato, berries or carrots. See, that's so hard for me to think of carrots as a sugar. That's so difficult. Um yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I get I, I get what I you're saying I though. I don't want you to think that they are a sugar, no, but No, I get, I get what you're saying. It's a, it's a carb, but to me it feels like that's a that the carrots are like a do no harm vegetable in my book. <laughs> like, you know, no, but, yeah, but yeah. I, and I guess what I'm getting at is these, these kind of things are in people's, people's minds most of the time. But, uh, the idea being that, you know, so this is what I say where, where it's a habit. So for me, I have to try to eat healthy, even though I run all the time. And even though like people are like, Oh, you run, you can eat whatever you want. Mm. Uh, and then I just start to think and I go, okay, well I just made this super healthy smoothie, but is it really a super healthy smoothie? And so like getting back to the running topic, the idea being if, if nutrition is your second nature and then you happen to run because you enjoy it and you have fun, like, are you, you're not thinking, are you thinking hard about eating when you go out for a run or are you just like stopping by whole or stopping by abundance co-op grabbing a sack full of vegetables and going for a run 
Um, I guess maybe the only thing I think about is food. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about food a lot of the time. But um, lately, it's been a really good experience. I've been really busy. I started teaching nutrition. Um, and I'm working on developing my little business, Happy Belly Nutrition. But um, I've been a lot busier than, than I had been, say, this time last year. And this year, I'm training more diligently with my running than ever before. And what I've found is actually I am making the classic mistake of not preparing my food accordingly for my running. Um, so while I say I think about food all the time, I'm starting to realize that that I'm actually like I need to be like one step ahead of myself in terms of food preparedness because I do eat a very specific well I eat a specific diet, but it's actually really not that specific. It's only specific within the realm of the standard American diet. Yeah, it's the diet of everything, right? It's the diet of yeah, it is. It literally is. I eat everything. There's nothing mm-hmm. I don't eat. <laughs> right. Um, but but, but just, you but you make it yourself. I think that you prepare yeah. it yourself. I think I guess that would be the caveat, or the thing that I see. You, yeah. You you don't rule anything out as long as you get to see where it came from. You get to handle it, and you get to combine it into whatever you're going to eat it as. <laughs> yeah. You got you got it. You know. Okay. <laughs> Hooray! Yay! Okay, cool. Bedtime. <laughs> yeah, we're all done here, folks. See <laughs> yeah, Thanks for listening. Took you so. how many years to get that degree? <laughs> I wish I'd, I guess I can listen to the recording. You better put that one in there because <laughs> I might use it. <laughs> um, yeah, and so be, because of those things that you just mentioned, like, knowing where it came from, being able to handle it, being able to prepare it myself. I can't just be an hour and a half from my house when I'm on campus teaching and make lunch, right, without having prepared ahead of time. You know, I can make lunch on campus if I packed all the ingredients that I would need to make lunch. Um, And so uh, it's just... I guess because my schedule is a little less, there are certain aspects of my schedule that are outside of my control these days, I'm realizing how important it is to make sure I have the appropriate food when I need it in relation to when I need to do a workout or when I need to do a run so that I can, you know, have energy and feel good and feel prepared and then do my run well. So so that's been a really interesting, like, um, experience, I guess, because I've never, I've probably never been, my schedule's never been quite like this before, and I've never been training quite as diligently before. So this is actually a pretty new experience for me personally, even though, you know, you learn about it in the textbooks, you learn about it in nutrition textbooks, you learn about it in sports nutrition and sports science, exercise science, but it's fun yeah. actually putting it into practice. 
Well, and I and I think is is um, this can relate to everyone else as well. I mean, I got two kids that I got to get ready for school in the morning, right? And mm-hmm. I got to go to the full time job, and then I got to run after that. And if I find myself at work and it's one thirty p.m. and I look, and I didn't bring my backpack with me, like oh there goes that food that I decide or, you know, something happens with the kids in the morning, you know, people have full busy lives and they can't, if they don't have that habit and that preparedness, that's where they reach for the healthiest thing they could possibly find. And for me, if that, if that's, you know, two kind bars and a naked juice, well, that costs me $7, but at least I feel like I'm drinking and eating healthy. But at the same time, it's like, uh, that's probably not the best I could have did. But, hey, I, you know, that's what I got going. So why why am I terrible if that's if that's what I was able to do? Right. Right. I mean, and that's I mean, you're spot on. Like we're all most people are really busy. Most people have a lot going on in their lives. And a lot of folks aren't taking care of just themselves. They also have kids or spouses or parents that they can take care of, too. And um, by no means are we perfect. Can we eat perfectly at every moment or at every feeding time? And so, yeah, in those instances, you do the best. You do the best that you can do. And that's one of the, I guess, another thing that interests me pretty strongly lately is um, what foods are available, you know, because... When you run out of time or when you forget your lunchbox at home or you, you just didn't prepare, you didn't make lunch, why aren't there really healthy options at the corner store or at the school cafeteria or at the restaurant that you might go to with friends for lunch? You know, that's my – I know the answers, I guess. <laughs> um, no, but that but that is the fr- – why isn't it? Why isn't there something healthy that I can – quote unquote, just grab, you know, and I guess maybe, I mean, you know, this is not exactly a current events podcast, but I guess maybe that's why we're all, <laughs> that's why we're all hyped up about this, you know, core life, the promise of this core life eatery place up in Webster. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, like, I mean, the idea of, Hey, there's going to be a place where there's like fresh food available for people and it's not the farmer's market that's open from nine to ten thirty every other Wednesday, you know, like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm excited about that place. I mean, it's not close to me. So no, I know it's so take, far. It's so far away take from me. me. A while. Oh, right. Webster. But it's <laughs> a neat, it's a great concept. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll see but, how it turns out in practice. <laughs> yeah. But the idea, I think that's, that's a similar thing. Like why aren't there, other options. So, I mean, sorry. Go ahead. You you were gonna ask something really insightful. I have a feeling. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say something really insightful. Oh, oh okay, I was just good, gonna, good. I was gonna profess I'm, for a minute. I've, I've been waiting. I've been waiting forty five minutes for this. <laughs> oh my god. Um. <laughs> Listen, what I was going to say is, (laughs) (laughs) now I forgot. Um, No, I I, I, like, what did you, I'm sorry, what's this place called? Core core life. Core life. life. We were talking about why why aren't there things readily available. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't really forget. I was kidding. 
But, but, but <laughs> you're such an enigma. I don't mean to be the boy who called wolf because next time I will have forgotten. But um, so I think that I think that we are at a really cool like turning point right now in terms of current events with food and and wellness because people finally are turned on. They're finally they finally are paying attention. They finally are trying to do things that are healthy. I mean, I shouldn't say finally. We always have been trying to do things healthy. What's been unfortunate is that um, a couple things, I guess. There have been, there have been a couple really poorly, let's see, like maybe misinterpreted scientific studies from um, several decades ago that became sort of the dogma of nutrition, although they were actually, um, in a word, wrong. Uh, but we've been following that dogma for 30-some-odd years, and now we're realizing that that those sorts of things are wrong, like the whole um, low-fat craze, right? We know that that was a really bad idea, but we've been following that now for 30 or 40 years. Um, another thing is the is the the influence and the the like the financial influence of the um, big food companies because they stand to profit off of the food they sell and the the food they sell is tends to be really addictive foods because of the high sugar content and the high salt content and we know that these foods like draw people back to them and so um so those kind of those two things kind of working in conjunction we've been like in a way led astray we humans have been kind of led astray from otherwise healthy diets and now we're starting to realize like how serious like the rate of obesity is how serious all of these diet related illnesses are and getting worse and we're we're finally opening our eyes to the fact that they're based on the foods we're eating and so i think that we're just starting to see places, you know, food establishments pay more attention to the, the, the healthfulness, I guess, of the foods they're serving. So a place like Core Life is excellent. And I actually think we'll, we'll start seeing a lot more places like this where they're serving fresh produce, um, kind of made to order, uh, and they're making, like, very wholesome meals out of whole foods. Um, we're also seeing this super juicing trend, which not, you know, we never kind of finished the conversation on your smoothie, but I think there's a time and a place for juicing. But there's also, I mean, it's like a, it's a kind of a fad right now. People are really into juicing and smoothies and it's, um, I mean, I'll call it a step in the right direction. It's certainly not the end all be all. It's not the solution, but it's a step in the right direction. And we're seeing, even in Rochester, we're seeing a lot more restaurants focus on local seasonal food. And so while there's still some difficulty getting really healthy food wherever you go, there are places that are starting. So, yeah. And I, I think it's interesting to think of somewhere as core life, uh, like core life, as something that could supplement our diets, not necessarily be our diets, because let, mm. let's face it, I mean, they're serving us vegetables and fruits. So is, you know, so is abundance co-op. So is the farmer's market. So is, you know, the public market. Like they're serving us vegetables and fruit too. It's, it's a matter of like 
how do you combine them and everything? But I do like the idea of, oh, hey, I'm away from home and my food and I do happen to have money and I can buy something. Hey, look, there's something healthy. Hooray. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so, okay. Um, so smoothies. Um, uh, by the way, as the smoothie is the best way for me to get two cups of spinach in the morning for breakfast. So I'm pretty excited about that whole thing. So it's just, we'll tuck that one aside. We'll have years to debate that. Um, <laughs> but, um, so now pre like prepackaged foods. So I, I will, at this point, I'm sure many people that are listening to the podcast, they're like, huh? So Natalie and Chris aren't going to talk about running, huh? And I'm like, well, you know, Natalie, you know, she talked about her running. So let's talk about food because that's what we're here for, right? If we're not going to talk about running, we're going to talk about food. The two most important things in life. That's very true. <laughs> um, hmm. So packaged foods, right? Packaged foods are all terrible and evil and they all suck. Um, but Trader Joe's Super Burrito. Let me talk to you about <laughs> Let me talk to you about. Okay. Let me talk to you about Trader Joe's Super Burrito. Because yeah. I believe that is uh, quinoa, sweet potatoes. That's that's the two major components of that, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I believe there's some kale in there. And then it's got a, a fancy shell that's neat and nice. But anyways, it's a burrito stuffed with quinoa. That, mm -hmm. has, to be, that has to be healthy. And sweet potatoes. <laughs> Yeah, where are you going with this? <laughs> I'm tr I'm trying to say they're delicious is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> they and are I, delicious. And I just want you to tell me that they're also not going to kill me. That's all I need. <laughs> they're not going to kill you. Okay. <laughs> no, Chris, you can eat them as much as you want. Well, I'll, re I'll reinstate my um, philosophy on eating, I guess, which is to eat everything. Um. Uh, Everything in moderation, and including moderation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have to admit, I am a huge fan of the Trader Joe's Super Burrito. Mm, so Thanks, yummy. Mike Weldon. <laughs> but um, you know, I brought one. I brought one home for summer yesterday. I'm like, just try this, and okay. I came home and she was like elbow deep in it, and she's like, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good, and they're so cheap. And I'll tell you this, I bought one. <laughs> here's my little indulgence. I bought one a couple weeks ago thinking I was going to eat it, I don't know, for something. I was working at the running shop or whatever, and I didn't get around to eating it. And so it wound up sitting in my refrigerator for like the better part of a week. This is going to sound really weird, but I finally ate it like a week later, and I think that it was better. <laughs> <laughs> you think it got better with age? <laughs> I think that like some of the moisture of the contents of the burrito like soaked into the shell, like the wrap <laughs> of the burrito. So when I finally heated it up, it was like, oh my gosh, it was cool. It was like an empanada or something. It was so good. So, so can I tell you that's what happened to the two that I brought home because they were, <laughs> you know, it's been, it's been, so it's been cold outside. So right. I actually, I actually bought them. On, boy, man, I probably bought them on like Tuesday, mm -hmm. and it and it, they kind of sat in my car, 
you know, in the in the nice cold back of my car for a couple days. And I was like, you know, I, I took them out and it did. It felt like the shell was a little bit softer. It was like, yeah. I don't know, something happened. Anyways, they're delicious. Moral of the story. Yeah. Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's Super Burritos, the uh, the the only the only prepackaged food endorsed by Natalie Thompson. <laughs> that might be true, and I have to admit, I'm sitting here staring at the ingredients on the internet. <laughs> and and you can't find anything wrong with it, can you? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's like any other, you know, it's like any other packaged food. It's like you know, enriched, fortified, unbleached, unbleached. That's good flour. I don't know. We could go on. I won't get into it. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of preservatives in there that um, come up pretty regularly as kind of warning ingredients because of their potential to cause disease or cancer or mm-hmm. other health but, risk. And but again, we're talking that, we're, that aside, you know, we're talking about moderation. We're not talking about three. <laughs> we're not talking about three burritos seven days a week. Right. So. <laughs> Exactly. Everything in moderation. Okay. Yeah, but otherwise, I mean, you're right. Kale, sweet potato, quinoa. Delicious. Jalapeno um, pepper. <laughs> Trader, Joe's, Trader Joe's is not sponsored this episode. <laughs> but maybe they should. Uh, maybe they sponsor should. Sponsor the next one. <laughs> I can move a lot of burritos. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> okay so let's tie that let's let's see if we can bring this back around to running to finish this off um so let's let's try this really if you'll work with me um mm-hmm. let's try to answer this really fast um what do you eat in the morning when you wake up when uh and we'll go from well do you run do you run 5ks natalie what do you mean like in like race them or race? yes yeah like you race five k's. Um, I raced one five k in my life. Okay, good. That's terrible. Don't ever do it again. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's okay. talk about let's just talk about runs ten miles or longer. Okay, yes, and sir. I um so let's go one hour, two hour, greater than two hours. You wake up in the morning for something for an hour long run. What do you do before that hour long run? <laughs> Perfect, because I did that this morning. Um, so this morning I had eight miles to run, and you know, kind of hilly terrain. I was planning. We were at well, as hilly as you can get in Rochester, but uh, we went to Lucy. Don't Moore. you qualify? Don't ah! qualify our hills. I know. I'm sorry. I take it back. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, it is actually. So we were at Lucy and Moore and, and Tryon, and uh, anyway, just eight miles. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about how long that would take me, but it wound up being like an hour, 10 or uh, 20 or something. And uh, anyway, so before I left, I had a cup of coffee and half a banana with ample amounts of almond butter. So just a little bit of, you know, carbohydrate from the banana. A little bit of protein, which some might argue is unnecessary, but uh, for me, I can't really stomach just the banana alone. And then there's also nice fats in the almond butter as well. So that's all I did, and I was nervous that I would that it would not be substantial, but it was actually fine. Um, and sometimes for eight miles, I won't even eat anything. But um, I think right now, just because I'm I'm racing next weekend on Saturday, and I. I guess I just don't want to kind of fuck up. So I figured I should eat a little something. 
So, okay. So that's, that's what you do before, uh, like an hour. What do you do? Do you eat right after that hour? Um, turkey. <laughs> I... <laughs> you don't eat turkey, right? <laughs> Chris is feeding me answers. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, today, it, I guess I have to say no, I don't usually eat immediately after because usually my, you know, my stomach's kind of coming back from run mode and it needs maybe a half hour to just kind of resettle and be prepared to take in food. So, like today after the run, um, I did a short cool down and stretched, and then I went and got mulch for my garden, and then I went and laid the mulch in my garden, and then and then I got inside, and made a second cup of coffee because it was Sunday, and then I made breakfast. So let's see. By the time I was eating, it was probably a good hour and a half after I finished running. Now, is that a matter of course, or is that just circumstance for today? I mean, that was circumstance for today, but it is probably a matter of course. I'd say after an average run, I eat anywhere from like within a half hour to an hour and a half post-run. Okay. And, you know, we could, we could get into that because I've, I've heard things to the contrary in my extensive studies, but... Um, <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? Oh, well, I've just, I've always heard, um, and it depends on the intensity of your workout, I think, and how hard you're running, but I've heard, um, to replace, um, to give your body proteins, uh, within a half hour after a hard workout. And then I've heard, uh, within a half hour to an hour and a half, um, you can then add in carbohydrates and a little bit more proteins, but you know, this is not, I'm not here. I'm not, I didn't read up before. I'm not prepared to, to debate that right now. Um, but let's, let's talk, uh, yeah, let's talk about, um, something longer, you know, let's talk about, uh, you're going out for two to three hours out in real mountains. Mm. Now, now what's your, what's your plan? Yeah, so, well, let's even call it three to five hours, maybe. Sure, sure. Even I mean. even if it's just two, I guess. Um, and to be honest with you, this morning, if my timing had been different, I would have had a whole breakfast beforehand. But I guess that's the whole issue of timing, right? This morning, for eight miles, I got up at eight. I was running, let's say I was running by nine. I wasn't exactly, but... Um, with that short of a window, I just wanted a simple, quick, and little bit of food. Mm -hmm. But um, so if I were going to go into the mountains, I would be—I would definitely make myself wake up, you know, with a little bit more time before I was planning to start. Say, I mean, two hours is about an ideal amount of time to die, to almost fully digest a meal. So say I was going to be in the mountains at eight. I would, I would probably try to finish eating by 6.30 in the morning, say. Finish eating by 6 might be a little bit better, but when I'm in the mountains, I'm usually moving a little bit slower, so I can kind of manage to digest things a little bit better. There's also the issue of how do you train your body. I mean, 
at this point, my body's fairly well trained in operating with real food in my belly. So um, someone who hasn't trained that way probably wouldn't have great success the first time. Similarly, if I tried to run on just gels or goos, like, I, I can't. I, I literally no, have, like... That's I a bad the, time. I have the runs. <laughs> yeah, but, that's a bad time for anybody, yeah. really. Anybody that says they can do it is just really just holding out until the very end when they cross the finish line. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. But so yeah. that type of a day, I would have a full breakfast. I mean... I would have some like something like oats or buckwheat or quinoa or rice, and then I would have two eggs, and then I would have some sauerkraut, <laughs> some avocado, and maybe some green vegetable. I was down with all of those, um, with the exception of <laughs> sauerkraut. <laughs> what's up with sau- what's up with sauerkraut? So. I don't want to call it a diet fad, but one thing that's really f- like hitting the kind of mainstream, I guess, with nutrition these days is is the concept of the microbiome, which is the bacteria that live in your digestive system. And for those who don't know, bacteria and yeasts are kind of everywhere um, on your skin, on your piano, on your dog, on your couch. Uh, and so with as far as bacteria go, we have bacteria lining our whole digestive tract from mouth, you know, through your esophagus, in your intestines, and, you know, all the way out your, the other side. And so in the, in the intestines, um, what we're finally starting to realize is that the state of affairs, basically, of these bacteria in your digestive tract play a huge role in y- your overall immune system immune health basically, um, your mood, your energy levels, your digestive functionality, your digestive health, um, to name a few things. And so uh, fermented foods like sauerkraut or like uh, properly fermented sourdough breads, as I wrote about on my first blog post, um, these foods actually help to put beneficial bacteria back into our digestive tract because when a food is fermenting, what's happening is that the bacteria that um, have existed kind of on the surface of those foods start to literally ferment or digest that food. So like that's what goes on with sauerkraut is you take cabbage and you shred it up and you give it some salt and a little bit of water and then you, you put it away in a cool dark place and the bacteria start to ferment the cabbage. And as they're fermenting the cabbage, um, they're proliferating themselves and releasing beneficial uh, fatty acids, releasing uh, other compounds that our bodies can then utilize. Um, That also goes on in your digestive tract. And so when we eat fermented foods, we eat these um, beneficial bacteria. And uh, so I make it a practice, I guess, to eat fermented foods daily, if possible. Some people take probiotic supplements. I prefer to the whole foods way. So I prefer to just eat um, sauerkraut or you, know, you could do kimchi, you could do kombucha, but uh, I really, I love cabbage. So sauerkraut's easy. All, all three of those suggestions would really throw off the flavor of my smoothie. <laughs> they would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you would just get used to it maybe. 
they would just they would totally jack up my smoothie. So mm-hmm. I do I do in fact use a um uh fermented coconut water probiotic. Mm. Um which is not exactly cheap, but um it is cuz I don't like dairy probiotics. I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, like I tried kefir, I'm not a fan of kefir really. Um I don't know. So, um, the idea for me was like, Hey, uh, I'll coconut water. I like coconut water. Hey, ferment coconut water. That's not so bad, you know? So I tried that, but, um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try some, uh, Mm. Mm. usually with me, it comes along with a sausage, like drenched in mustard. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, kraut's bitter, right? It's not, um, Mm-hmm. If you're not used to that kind of flavor, it's not an easy thing to take. At well, I first. mean, I like I like IPAs and I like mm-hmm. plain I like plain Greek yogurt. So I mean, I can I can deal with bitter. Right, you're, you're halfway there. Halfway there. <laughs> I'll say this: here's a plug for Small World Foods. Um, they make the best ruby sauerkraut. You can find it at Abundance Cooperative Market. Mm, I do like or, Abundance. Yeah, or you could probably find it at the Rochester Rochester Public Market. Mm-hmm. Ruby, what right makes it? Market. What makes it ruby? They use red cabbage. Ah, mm. mm-hmm. that sounds yummo. So you've successfully avoided talking about your running for about an hour, which is well, which, which is pretty solid. I mean, good job. <laughs> Nobody's actually come on my running podcast and avoided talking about running. So that's. <laughs> That's a pretty solid performance right well, there. You, you had so many questions about your Well, only because uh, only because you wouldn't answer questions about your running. You didn't <laughs> these, ask me any. <laughs> these are the only things I could get you to answer. Um, okay, so one of the other things is um, you have obviously lots and lots and lots to say about nutrition. And you have your little happy belly life um, going on. What's mm-hmm. that all of, What's that... Um, um, I, I mean, I did give you sort of your tagline earlier, but what's, what's your mission with happy belly life? Like what's your, what's your goal? You know, if somebody gave you 30 seconds in the elevator between floors one and four, like what's your goal? Not that you'd be caught dead on an elevator, but. You're <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, you know, that's a great question. The, the real mission is just to educate people, just to share the information I've learned from my schooling and that I hope to continue to learn through my own, uh, you know, personal research and who knows, future schooling endeavors. But that's the main goal is to just educate because knowledge is power and um, food is important. Food is, I mean, the essence of life. (laughs) Before we do anything else, we need to eat. And I think it's... um, unfortunate that so much kind of innate wisdom about how to nourish your body with food has just been lost over the years. So that's kind of the main mission and then a little more specifically I guess is for those who are interested in working more one-on-one or in small group I mean that's kind of the business side of the business is um, being able to share that knowledge kind of on a very personal level to help people find those little changes to kind of get started with because um, it's one thing to learn about 
food, it's another thing to actually start manifesting changes in your own kind of life regarding food. So, um, yeah. yeah. Isn't it, <laughs> I need isn't to work on the weird? elevator statement. Yeah, well, like I said, maybe you need to ride an elevator once in a while then yeah. figure that out. <laughs> See, on the stairs, I have so much time. <laughs> like, oh, you want to know? Let's take the stairs. <laughs> Let's take the stairs. Well, we're going up to... I'll, I'll tell you something. <laughs> we're going up to the observation deck. That's fine. You got time. Um, <laughs> but is, I think one thing interesting you said is like so much knowledge about actually how to eat has been lost. Like, yeah. isn't that weird that we, I mean, we got to be one of the, I don't know, I, maybe I'm, maybe I just am like a little bit cynical, but we got to be one of the few cultures in the, on the planet that has to think so hard about what to eat. Like in some, in some places you just, you eat what you have and what you have is food. Right. I know. I know it's in a way it's, um, I'll say ridiculous that there is a job market for nutritionists, you know, like what is that? Mm -hmm. But, um, it's, I mean, it's a long, it's a long story how we got to where we are right now with food in this in this country, yeah. but globally too. I mean, there are pockets where, yeah, right there. There are definitely places where you have what you have, and that's what you eat. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But here, it, it's such an expansive landscape, and there's just so many conflicting interests, unfortunately. And there's so much. In my opinion, I guess I could be wrong, but it seems that there's so much drive to make money, and unfortunately, there's a lot of. Um, in the food world, a lot of the folks who have a lot of the money don't necessarily have, you know, human health as a top priority. More so, it's the money making. Um, yeah, and it's just, it seems weird because it seems like that is, uh, I don't know. I mean, but then you hear the other side of the argument, which is whole foods and eating healthy is so expensive and all that mm -hmm. food costs so much money. And you're like, so wait a minute, there's got to be crazy profits for people who are selling regular apples instead of apple flavored apples, you know, and like they're, they're people mm -hmm. that sell people that sell whole foods and people that sell nutritious meals have to there has to be a way for those people to be profitable and successful, you know, and, and those that are packaging up and distilling, like thinking they can capture that through like a box of, you know, dehydrated, rehydrated and dehydrated again, kind of foods that at some level that has to be more expensive. Um, but I know yes, that exactly. I, it's hidden know, costs. Yeah. Right. It's and hidden I know costs. The, the scale and you know you can save money by scale but the the transportation the refrigeration the manufacturing all of that like that's more expensive you know right but. exactly yeah i mean you you nailed it like there's so yeah. many <laughs> yes it's like I this know. is what makes my mind just kind of explode. I know this is this is why you can go out in the woods and run for five hours, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's frustrating. It's actually just really frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean the way like our food system is set up right now is that the foods that are the cheapest in the marketplace 
yes, you're spot on. I mean, those things take way more. It takes way more energy, time, resources to make a bag of pretzels <laughs> than it does to make a f***ing potato, you know, or a yeah. leaf of kale or yeah. a damn spinach leaf, you know. But yet the potato chip is so much cheaper in the grocery store than a bunch of spinach or a bunch of kale. And, I mean, the, the other problem, the other side of the coin, this, like, multi-sided coin, is um, the demand. <laughs> I, think, I think they call that a dice. A dice. A die. A die. I think they call it a die. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, we still, enough of our population, a, a large enough percentage of our population, still at some level demands these kind of lower quality more nutrient you know nutrient poor foods um and that's another piece that keeps the costs lower but i you know i'm i'm finally i guess starting to um i i have to admit i haven't paid too much mind to the argument about healthy eating costs more because I find it so frustrating that mm -hmm. yeah. the whole argument is just so frustrating. Um, but a real quick, I guess, defense against healthy foods are going to be your legumes and your whole grains. I mean, those are some of the cheapest foods you can actually yep. buy at the grocery yeah. store. Yeah, but then you got to sit there for 20 minutes. Oh, my minutes, God, Chris, no. 20 minutes no. while the water, while the water no. soaks into those legumes. <laughs> <laughs> or 24 hours yeah oh my goodness and then you gotta rinse them and then, yeah yeah uh, so drama right. and then so that's i feel like the more that's the argument i'll give more credence to is the time and kind of the access right healthy eating takes more time there's the cost issue there's the time issue there's the access to having a stovetop you know having pots and pans Having the, having the knowledge about how to cut an onion or chop garlic. Um, but then there's also the issue of breaking an addiction. Yeah. It's, it's literally breaking an addiction and forming new habits. We don't have to eat onions to be healthy, right? Like there's well, other... <laughs> no, <laughs> I guess you don't. <laughs> okay, good. But cause... it's one of the best foods you could eat. Yeah, well... I'll say that. Okay. Yeah, well, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> She really gave me some grief about that smoothie, eh? I, I mean, I, I feel like I evened it up with the super burrito. And then she tried to pull a fast one with that onion on me. But uh, I think I got out of there just in time. I mean, onions, yeah, sure, healthy. But, you know, dirt's healthy too, and I'd rather eat dirt. So take that. But honestly, I do feel like her view of the uh, no conceding on Whole Foods is a pretty solid philosophy. Even if I can't see myself completely adopting it, it's a good guidepost. I feel like nutrition is one of those topics that has a lot of right answers, you know, about as many right answers as there are people on the planet. And so there's always so much to talk about and debate and experiment with. It's a topic that I think warrants more discussion in the future. Well, anyway, <clears throat> on to small business sponsorships. Um, <laughs> 
Hey, uh, thank you again for giving Mr. Josh Stratton a try. Uh, March was a big success, and apparently April's off to a good start too. So let's get right to it. Uh, use the code MACEWINDU to get $15 off an hour massage. So 60 minutes for 50 bucks. That's it. Easy peasy. Uh, Josh is a licensed massage therapist, and his fancy new office is inside Sports PT uh, in Four Performance in Winton Place. He offers therapeutic massage, sports massage, specific treatment massage, deep tissue massage, and even Swedish massage. Find out more or get a hold of him via his Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Josh Stratton LMT, or calling or texting um, the phone number on his Facebook page. Uh, That link will be in the show notes too. Uh, I'll be heading to Josh almost immediately after Muddy Sneaker this weekend. So just be sure to leave one spot for me. Don't all rush in there at once. By the way, if you have a small business, service, or event you'd like to have on the podcast or in the ears of local runners, go out, check out the website, again, runninginsideoutpodcast.com, and check out the sponsorship page. And drop me a line if you're interested. Okay, so a few more things. Thank you all so much for sharing this podcast with your friends. Honestly, it seems like the word is out there. Um, Natalie mentioned the recent panel uh, earlier. For listeners, um, new listeners, there will be a link to that panel in the show notes. It was a uh, special event episode recorded at MedVed. Super fun, really. We got lots more events like that planned for this year. Um, We'll be all over the town covering cool stuff. Which... Brings me to my next point. However you choose to support the show is greatly welcomed. Your downloads, telling your friends, leaving iTunes reviews, liking us on Facebook, they all help us get the word out and get this to the people who want to hear it. If you do like this show and you want to consider supporting its creation financially, there is a page on the website dedicated to helping you do just that. Runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash support. We have information on the Patreon program, which is small monthly contributions, as well as uh, one-time contributions. And, you know, it's due time, uh, overdue time, if you ask me, to thank current Patreon contributors again. Mr. Jeff Green, Matt Bertrand, Michael Valloon, Mike Mertzak, Ron Hirkins Jr., the ever-present Anonymous, and uh, newest Patreon creator, this uh, contributor this month, Mr. Mike Kimball. So thank you all so much. Um, It's extremely helpful. For those interested, in addition to the uh, heart-swelling feeling of uh, helping the podcast uh, be financially viable, Patreon contributors also get access access to our super cool Slack channel where we chat about cool behind-the-scenes things, including uh, they get to provide questions and ideas for upcoming shows. We get to bounce ideas back and forth off each other of things that I got in the works. We even have uh, partners like Ascend Collective, the area's preeminent photography team, hanging out inside Slack to answer questions. And all the money contributed through Patreon goes directly back into cool things to make the podcast better, like recording equipment and stickers and other soon-to-be-announced fun stuff that I'm sure you can wear and or carry around with you in some form or fashion. Lastly, there's a Strava group where we share runs and all that kind of stuff. Um, You can find it on the right sidebar of the website, 
uh, or you can search for it in Strava, Running Inside Out Podcast. Um, so thank you all for listening. Thank you for getting out there to create stories to share. Um, episode 27 is all wrapped up. So until next time, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.